one. Hello and welcome to episode six, take two of Romance Isn't Dead, Cursed Immortals Need Love Too. I'm Sally. And I'm Ray. Okay, y'all, we're back. (laughs) Technical difficulties. You know, I don't think you're really a podcast until you have a podcast that you've recorded that you cannot post. Yeah, that was a bad, oh dear, the background, the background was just, it sounded like someone was permanently rattling papers in a cinema. Yeah, well, just for our loyal listeners, uh, we do apologize again for that delay. I, um, I had a problem with my computer, and so I was having to use my iPad, and that was not a sufficient replacement, as it turns out, for my computer. And um, I have a new computer now, because my old computer was, um, well, it was reparable, but it was not uh, reparable in that... uh, well, it would pay for half of the computer to repair it. So here we are. And uh, anyway, this week is a book week. And uh, and um, we are going to be talking about what book, Ray? This is your we pick. are talking. Yeah, it is my pick. We are talking about Night Play, which is a dark hunter novel, the fifth mm-hmm. one by mm-hmm. Sherilyn Kenyon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it really could be seen as the first of the Werehunter novels, mm-hmm. if you were looking at it that way. Right, because you could divide her that that overarching series up into were hunters and yeah that's true that's true yeah were hunters dark hunters and there's another one dream hunters okay see i think i bowed out before dream hunters i think i called it for me yeah they did get a little bit i wouldn't say formulaic or samey though i think maybe um it's that's <laughs> try not to be because I know there are loads of people out there who absolutely love these and I know that when Akiron came out which was like the book that overarched all of them mm-hmm. I went out and bought it and it's a tome I mean it's huge I read but, the Asheron book but I don't remember liking it I liked part of, I liked the second half of it I didn't like the first half uh-huh <laughs> Because it's split into two stories, but mm. we're digressing. <laughs> this is the story of Vane, a werehunter who is half wolf, half human. But apparently there are two different types of wolf and human hybrid, and he's more human than he is wolf, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It gets confusing after a while. <laughs> you know, though, I think... I felt like this actually did a decent job of making like making that distinction between the ones who are wolf first whose base form is wolf versus whose base I mean, like form his, is human. Like Fang. Like Fang's Fang brother. and Fury, his brothers, right. So the setup is his mother had a you know, the litter, right, of kids. Yep. Excuse me. <coughs> we're all healthy here (laughs) yeah and um so half were base form appeared to human half base form appeared to be wolf so when she left she took the ones whose base form appeared to be human and left the ones and so it turns out that he has um his siblings um 
at least one of the siblings did it what he did in that in that when he reached maturity his base form flipped to human right yeah, that's and, right and then his brother was it fury his base form yeah. flipped to animal so it got pretty it, it, that was an interesting subplot i think to this whole thing but it do was you wanna, an interesting tale in family dynamics i suppose of course do you want to go ahead and um sort of give the book summary ray Okay, well, the book summary, essentially, Vane Catalakis is, it starts off with he and his brother are, have been sold out by their father, and their sister, one of their, their favourite sister from their litter is already dead, and they are being hunted. They end up caught in a battle in the swamp, they're in, by the way, they're in New Orleans, um, and excuse my pronunciation, I am British, so we pronounce everything differently. Um, <laughs> but we find they find themselves trapped with daemons, which are yeah. essentially like they're kind of like vampires who mm-hmm. suck the souls out of the living. And werehunters and werewolves and changelings in general are considered prime food for mm-hmm. the daemons because mm-hmm. they're strong and they've got powerful <clears throat> magics. Anyway, Vane's brother, Fang, ends up far worse off in a coma and Vane has to seek help. This is Vane's payment, by the way, for an event that happens in a previous book. So if you haven't read this one, there will be certain events, though it's not 100% necessary to read previous books. There are certain events that will come up that you'll sit there going, "Uh, when did that happen? Did I miss something? Mm Mm-hmm. You did. It was in a previous book, but it's not necessary for you to know that. On the other, on the flip side, there is Bride, who is a an owner of a boutique in the city. She is from relatively well off, well respected parents. Has a very very close knit family. Her parents are vets, um, and Vane has taken a liking to her on a previous visit to the city. And he comes across her at a very, a very vulnerable moment. Her boyfriend of several years has just dumped her for being a larger girl. It's the first, would you say, one of the first books where a woman of a different size than size two is the lead character? Um, you know, I think um, it's one of the first that I think that I ever read that didn't advertise it as being a thing so does that make sense so it seems like there's a certain genre of book that is published that's just okay oh the heroine's a bigger girl so you must it's it's like a subset of the genre and then but this one doesn't do that this one just it's just a side note that she I mean it's important to know about her character because it sort of feeds into her insecurities and such and so on and so forth but but when you read the summary of the book it's not necessarily a thing I don't think in the summary of the book like, no, in the summary of the book, it just says that Bride McTinney has just been dumped via FedEx. There's not much that could ease such a broken heart until Vane Catalakis wanders into her shop and her life. Their whirlwind affair feels too good to be true. 
So, you know, it, it just seems like... Uh, it, it Her her size seems like a normal thing instead yeah, it's of not uh, fetishizing it right and that 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 is helpful like to me like I, i've never been the um the skinniest girl in the room and so it was kind of nice to to have that in in a romance novel where it's just you know your size isn't that big of a deal it's just whatever size you are and um you know, it, it is a source of vulnerability for her, but I think that's normal, at least for, okay, I'll speak as a Gen Xer, an American Gen Xer. I think it's a normal thing to be sort of aware of what size you are. And that was before, this is sort of before the body positivity movement and all that stuff where, you know, when I was coming up, I was, um, you know, I was in high school. I weighed maybe 130, 135 pounds, and um, <laughs> and, no, and when I said I wanted to go on a diet because I wanted to lose, you know, 10, 15 pounds because I wanted to weigh, you know, one twenty, my mom was like, "Okay, sure, this is what we need to do." And like, if my daughter came to me and asked to to go on a diet, I wouldn't be very accepting of that because I would feel like she needs to accept herself as she is and just say, okay, if you want to lose weight, then this is the healthy way to do it. Right. But I, I wouldn't be on board with a diet diet. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, and so it's a very different. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> so I think Gen Xers maybe have a different, different feel for that kind of thing as yeah, opposed uh... to other generations and it is sort of as I said before that sort of body positivity movement and I feel like this book was written for us like this book had us in terms of target generation in mind because when did this book come out you've got it right in front of you 2000 I think it was 2002 2003 maybe so early aughts 2004 so early earlyish aughts and so we're talking about you know when we were in our 20s this came out this book came out when I was in when I turned the year I turned thirty. Okay, so yeah, I mean, I think she expected Gen Xers to read this book, right? So I feel like yeah, it was I think sort of so. Aimed for us. So. Yeah, I mean, diet is one of those things, and oh boy, both of us could go into it in mm-hmm. minute detail. My mum put me on. I I am very very short and struggled with my weight weight for decades, and my mum put me on so many diets I've lost count. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it was in the time. It was in the time. I mean, in the eighties and nineties, amphetamines were legal mm-hmm. to take as diet medication. So mm-hmm. this really is the book that makes you realise that it doesn't matter if you're overweight. You can still get a very very hot guy who wants to obsessively follow you around in wolf form, and seduce you in the changing room of your shop which was uh, that scene by the way happens 40 pages into the book mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's and, the first thing that sticks with you it's like whoa yeah like oh my uh, yeah <laughs> um it, yeah okay and so they have they have a bit of fun in the shop and yep. um and then things progress they get mating marks they get mating marks, okay? Yes, that's right. That's right, mating marks. And that's like an involuntary thing. 
it is an indication that they are meant for each other, that mm-hmm. they have mated to their soulmates. Mm-hmm. And now Vane has to protect her while at the same time trying to protect his brother who is still in a critical state. He's still comatose, basically. He's still comatose and he still needs to be protected. So Vane is sort of caught between the two worlds of he wants to protect his new mate and make sure she's safe and continue the bonding process because they have to complete a certain bonding process in order for um, things to progress as they should and also protect his brother who's um, staying with a bear family, the Peltiers, Mm -hmm. who own the local um, bar where all the dark hunters and where hunters hang out. And it's a sanctuary of sorts. So it's, well, it's called the sanctuary. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's a that is um, that whole notion of sanctuary. I've read that in a number of books, and some of them have not been romance novels. I've read about sanctuary type places in like spy novels as well. Um, yeah. David Morell's Black. No, what is it? It's like. Brotherhood of the Blue Rose, I think, that series. Anyway, there there are sanctuaries there. So I kind of wonder if there are sanctuaries around the world that I just don't know about for, you know. Well, sanctuary, churches, churches used to be sanctuaries. True. You could take sanctuary in a church. True, 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 true. And I've read about that in some romance novels. So anyway, so go ahead. Okay, well, after Vane and Bride have had their first liaison and they have got their bonding marks, Vane realises he's got to protect Bride from his enemies and also persuade her in some way to bond with him. So he, using his wolf form, moves into her house. (laughs) I mean, seriously, you all of a sudden you see a massive wolf and you take it into your home. How many people would do that? Would you do that? No. No. <laughs> I just wouldn't. I just wouldn't. And she, and she goes as far as to name him Vane 2. Now, obviously, we know that Bride has just been dumped by FedEx, by her jerk boyfriend, who is a TV personality. And when he shows up to return her stuff because they'd lived together and he'd been telling her to go on diets and done everything he could to encourage her to lose weight and at the same time alienated her. There is a scene that, for me, we have discussed this before, jars me just a little bit. All of a sudden, Bride is, for for me personally, completely out of character when she, Vane, shows up to find out what's going on in his human form this time. And there is a sort of mini, what would you call it? A mini, Yeah, but there, it's almost like they're sizing each other up. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Vane is all, oh, look, I've got loads of money, and he pays the, move, the removal men 30 grand or something to move her boxes into the house. Mm-hmm. There could be so many different ways that could be read. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Let's just do a surface read. Yeah. Let's just do a surface read on that one. <laughs> Let's okay. not get too far into it. But um, in terms of that. But um, I would say, well, why don't we read this? Um, 
let's see. <clears throat> page 105. Okay, well, I'm on page 102. Hang on. Um, Taylor comes in, asks um, if she's alone, and she's like, except my pet, yeah. And... Um, Bane bites him. Yeah. Um, all right. She looked outside to see a small moving van parked behind Taylor's red Alfa Romeo. You were supposed to have it here two weeks ago. He made a disgusted sound of her. Yeah, well, I've been busy. You know, I actually have a life. She rolled her eyes at him as anger took hold. You know, I do too. <clears throat> yeah, he said with a laugh. Eating bonbons and watching TV is so time consuming. She gave him a reproachful glare. You're such a jerk. What did I ever see in you? He held his arms out as if he were presenting himself to her and smiled. Same thing every woman sees in me, babe. Face it. We both know you'll never have another guy who looks as good as me interested in you. Vane uh -huh. leaped at him. No, Bride snapped, but it was too late. The wolf had already latched onto Taylor's arm. Taylor screamed out in pain. She grabbed the wolf and pulled him back. Vane strained against her, barking and snarling ferociously as he finally let go of Taylor's arm. She pulled him into the back room and locked him up. Taylor held his bleeding arm to his side. That's it. Consider yourself sued. Don't even try it, she said, her own temper snapping as she came back to where he, he was standing. You're on my property. I'll tell the police you're threatening me. Yeah, right. Who would ever believe that? Any anchor person at the other two stations who hate you as much as I do. His face went pale. Yeah, Taylor, she said evilly. Remember who all the little fat chick knows in this town? I'm the last person you want to screw with. Can you take the next bit, Ray? Yeah. Well, I think we can skip bits. It's where Vane then shows up in his human form, having managed to escape from the room that she was. She locked him in, and he turns up on his on a motorbike, and he says, "Hi, uh, hi, bride." He breathed against her lips. She smiled up at him. Hi. Who the hell is this? Taylor asked. Vane gave him a once-over that said he didn't think much of Taylor. I'm her lover. Who the hell are you? Bride bit her lip as happiness tore through her. She could kiss him again for that. I'm her boyfriend. Now, that is... We'll ignore. He's not. And Vane says... Ah, oh, Vane said, you're the skank dickhead. This is where, for me, it turns into a little bit of a playground confrontation. Mm-hmm. He looked back at Bride. I thought you threw this loser out. She smiled even wider before she cast an evil glare at Taylor. I did, but he came back begging. And that is the out-of-character bit for me. We've got Bride as the vulnerable. Taylor has thrown her... Taylor threw her out and they broke up and it was very hurtful. But then all of a sudden she's becoming this sort of smug, oh, he came back begging kind of thing. And in my head, I read it as her being quite boastful, which mm -hmm. strikes me as very not her. But then also the line that she says earlier about remember who all this fat chick knows. And it was kind of they were almost throwaway bits that jarred me mm. just a little bit. OK, well, just to play devil's advocate. Of course. Um because that's what I do. Um, the first one especially did not throw me because she feels very vulnerable because he's, he obviously only dated her for those connections. Oh yeah. Well, I think we her. get into that. Yeah. I think we do get into that a little bit later when she sort of says, oh, you, you use my connections and then you mm -hmm. threw me away. Right. 
And so because of that, it doesn't surprise me that she um, snaps back at him for that. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, totally. It completely makes it completely makes sense to me. It's just I think it, it was jarring because it was so out of character with how we've seen her previously. <laughs> and the fact that we saw her as this vulnerable girl and then all of a sudden she's coming out with something that sounds quite aggressive even if she is angry. Right. See that one, but that one I think gives us a little bit of her mindset. And this one, when she says he did, I did, but he came back begging. This one, I I really can't defend. It really (laughs) does seem a little, this one really does seem odd because then she immediately goes back to the, she drew a ragged breath at Taylor's cruelty. Taylor is paying them to leave my stuff on the street like trash. Whatever I pay them, he to take to my apartment, he's going to double it. So I look at that and I'm like, okay, well, you can see why she's certainly why she's angry at him because he wouldn't be. But, you know, in this, that doesn't for me track as well as the first one. Like the first one for me sort of gives you the mindset of where she is. And I, and I can get that. And she's got this sudden, like, I guess, jolt of confidence when Vane shows up. And then, but that whole arrogance when she says, oh, he came back begging. In my head, it reads as mm-hmm. something from Mean Girls. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think I just skimmed it. And, and so, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It just, it, it does. It's just a little out of place, I think, maybe. But I, <laughs> maybe, maybe a good editor would be helpful here. Um, <clears throat> so... You know, that's, but that's fair. I think that's fair. I just wanted to just to play a little bit of devil's advocate, especially with the first bit, um, where she's like, remember who all the, the people in this town that this fat chick knows that to me, she's hitting Taylor where it hurts him. Right. Because she wants to make him hurt the way she's been hurt. Yeah. And so that's it. There is that, there is that balance of power. But then all of a sudden for her to go from this arrogance with the whole, oh, he came back begging mm. to the, mm. oh, I'm helpless and he's going to dump all my stuff because blah, blah, blah. And mm. that whole scene for me, mm. it almost felt as though it was unnecessary because it leads on to Vane actually asking her out on their mm. first date. Mm-hmm. He could have just asked her out on a date mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. seriously... <clears throat> she's already had sex with him. Mm-hmm. She's already admitted she's attracted to him. Why would she say no? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I get it. Um, it was almost like it was cementing his position as an alpha in her life. Mm-hmm. Sure. The savior with loads of money. I mean, that's, I think that is the Mills and Boone cliche. Right. The savior comes in on a white horse, in this case a motorbike, and has a personal banker and millions right. at his disposal. So he he actually has superpowers, and he's also got the money superpower, too. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Well, let's move on. Um, all right. So um, what else did you want to talk about here? Well... I love the way that their relationship develop, develops once you get past 
that particular scene okay. there is he introduces her to she introduces him to her family mm-hmm. um and he calls in a few favors the scene with um where he goes to see ash and mm-hmm. simi who i love she's mm-hmm. one of my favorite characters mm-hmm. throughout the entire series of books where he goes to see ash and ask him for advice about his mate and also where he goes and asks her advice about dating mm-hmm. <laughs> I've mm-hmm. never dated, and you get Nick saying, "Oh my God, the great Ash is a virgin." Mm-hmm. You don't have to be a virgin if you've never dated, mm-hmm. um, and that is the thing that comes across. And you get to know more, a little bit more about all the peripheral characters who become more important as the series goes on. Mm-hmm. For me, this—I mean, I love the story of Bride and Vane. I love Vane, mm-hmm. um, but for me, it's a stepping stone to the other books. Mm-hmm. It has development in it, but it's not got the same kind of impact as say um i'm trying to think of the title of the story but valerius's book mm-hmm. which i think is oh god i think it might be night embrace no dance with the devil i think is valerius's book and that for me you meet tabitha earlier on in the series and valerius and tabitha end up together even though valerius is actually tabitha's twins identical twin sister amanda's husband's mm. biggest enemy and the person who um whose father actually caused his original death mm-hmm. maybe we need to get into that at some point what causes a night hunter to, a dark hunter to become a dark hunter mm-hmm. but <laughs> mm-hmm. but i mean this is in the world of myth and legend you've got artemis you've got atlantis you've got greek mythology you've got a little bit of roman mm-hmm. mythology mixed in there um, the destruction of Atlantis is actually the cause of this entire book series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, all right. So maybe um, I would like to maybe hit a few things that I thought about this book. Yeah, okay. go for it. We've kind of already touched on this, but <clears throat> Bride's not the perfect size six or four or whatever the perfect size is these days. Um Two. Is it a zero? two? Or a zero? <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't know, but I've never been there. Unless yeah. I, and not even a birth. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I've gained a bit of weight since birth, so I really can't say. Um, but with her, and I've touched on this already, you know, it was it was the first time I really read an author who went out of her way to make her heroin not model material. And so um, the other way she did it, it was also from Bride's point of view. So it's not like on the book list is a big and beautiful book you know it's just it's not intended to be a niche thing she's just another heroine in this series of books right so to me that was important um another thing that I felt was relatable about Bride was that her family and the importance of her family made sense to me um the easy thing for Kenyon to do would have been to have made made bride alone right that her yeah that her family was gone and all that stuff i don't think she's done that with any of her heroines Mm -hmm. i mean you look at any of them from amanda in the first proper Mm -hmm. book even if they haven't got i mean they've got close family but even if they haven't got close family they're a very very close-knit group of friends Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which are almost family Mm mm-hmm well, and I agree with that. I'm just saying the easy thing for an author to do is oh, to yeah. take the attachments away for whatever reason. So it's an easy choice for them to, you know, 
become this thing that is going to uh, maybe live forever or live a really long time, blah, blah, blah. And so I sort of admire that about these books in that she still has these attachments to the human world. And so she really has to think about this because she knows that she's going to have to watch her sister grow old and die or father grow old and die and, and then not have, you know, she, and she's not going to be in that same place. So yeah. anyway, um, I felt like that was important to make that a really choice. Um, uh, with Vane, that dude's hot. Like seriously. <laughs> Right. Well, I think the first thing you just the first thing you hear about him when Bride sees him is oh god, I'm looking for here you go. The first scene where she sees him is on page twenty three. Well, actually, and that's also the same page where he says Bride had been the most beautiful woman Vane had ever seen. She still was. Mm-hmm. And here we've got Bride paused her vacuuming and looked up as she heard someone entering her shop. Her breath caught in her throat. Never in her life had she seen a more handsome man. Never. Mm-hmm. At first glance, his hair was dark brown, but in re- reality it was made up of all colours, ash, auburn, black, brown, mahogany, even some blonde. She'd never seen hair like that on anyone. Long and wavy, it was pulled back into a sexy ponytail. Better yet, his white T-shirt was pulled tight over a body that most women only saw in the best magazine ads. It was a body that was meant for sex tall and lean that body begged a woman to caress it just to see if it was as hard and perfect as it appeared yeah so i'll say description down pat <laughs> yeah so uh, i'll stand by my description of seriously hot right oh, um well. the other thing it, to me is that he's nurturing and it's not just a bride it's because he's so protective of his brothers um especially fang and then and then he also becomes very protective of fury as well so i really appreciated that that he um and he doesn't let his parents kill each other which is kind of a twisted form of love but it is still a form oh yeah definitely um, and the other thing is he's willing to let her take the lead on their final steps of their courtship um Even though he's desperate for the bonding to complete he still knows that it has to be her decision right and and he is perfectly, I don't want to say he's perfectly okay with, but he is, he forces himself to be okay if she says, you know, yes, we can bond with each other, but I don't want to, um, I don't want to become what you are in terms of like the longevity and all that stuff. He would, he would have gone with that because he loved her so much. And, and so I appreciate that. And, and that plays into my, I think, enjoyment of like female power fantasy, because for her, that is power. Like he's willing to give up um, his long extended life for her, and yeah, and that's that is a form of power. And so, I really, um, I did appreciate that about him as a hero. Um, Taylor as a villain. This is to me, he's a bit cartoonish, right? Like yeah, he he, he was. He breaks up with her via. His- FedEx, like yeah, even who does that? even yeah, but even their dialogue together. How did they ever have any chemistry? I mean, was yeah. she sh- was she just looking at him and going, "Oh, well, he's a handsome man. He's paid attention to me," because right. then that would skew the relationship that she had with Vane. Because I mean, he she even says he's the most handsome man she's ever seen. Right. Um, or was he actually a nice guy at some point? Which I'm struggling to see because, I mean, the confrontation that they have 
in the restaurant is just laughable. And the yeah. confrontation that we've already spoken about was almost ridiculous to the in the extreme of an argument over where a um where her boxes of goods are going to her boxes yeah. of possessions are going to go. I mean, right. why be so petty? Mm. Well, see, okay. Is, like I'm looking at it, and I think I have the same take. Like, how did Bride miss this coming? Like, how did she miss that he was going to break with her? I mean, Taylor's yeah. clearly an ass. So why is she staying with him? You know, is she staying with a man who is constantly trying to put her on a diet? I would have been like, peace out, dude. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, but so, maybe that's the thing. I mean, maybe that ties into her lack of confidence. Yeah. Maybe, maybe there is that thought. I know that a lot of women have it. Of the, in fact, I've I've spoken to quite a few who've who've been. Well, I'm not really happy in my relationship, but I don't want to be alone. Right. Well, okay. So what I was, I, what I made a note of in the notes is I said by staying with him, she seems a bit pathetic. It's almost like Bride gains a spine because she's having really good sex with a hot dude. Is his penis magical? And actually it is, but that's Probably. another story entirely. <laughs> um, but come on. She owns a successful business in New Orleans. She, she, she very, isn't. Very, she also had a really good upbringing. I yeah. mean, her parents weren't um, putting her down or telling her that she needed to lose weight in order to get a boyfriend or anything. Her parents are incredibly supportive. So for her to have that lack of confidence with a guy who clearly treated her like she was rubbish. I mean, he it reached the point where he was he was lying about events so he'd go on his own or right. with someone else while they were living together. Yeah. I mean, it's like she's there's no way she's that spineless or brainless, right? If you're a successful business person, you're not spineless, you're not brainless. And so exactly. I'm just I'm I'm just a little to me that was just a little jarring like I don't know. And, and maybe that's just the way I think about things because I, I don't know. And, and I, I would have preferred that she realized her self-worth before Vane showed up to have really good sex with him. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. But there wasn't really enough time because there was only 40 pages between the book starting and <laughs> Vane showing up in her dressing room. But I um, would have really, <laughs> but I would have preferred there to have been say 80 pages. Where yeah. she could have started, like, developing, like, I'm not going to be used this way again. And, like, to really, you know, where she can, like, I wish that it had been less about the magic penis and more, more about her finding her spine. That should have been the title of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> the werewolf with the magic penis. That would have been... <laughs> would you have listened be. to a show with that? <laughs> it still can be. What can I say? But, um, and, and I'm not trying to be overly critical here. I mean, I just, I just, that that's just, I wish that she could have been a little more. Yeah. I think that with this book, especially, um, Kenyon was relying upon the readers having read the previous books because mm -hmm. she was mentioned and, um, she was far more confident in the scenes that she was in, in the book with Talon and Sunshine. Mm -hmm. which is where this book gets its origins because that is why Vane is then um, captured and tortured out, yeah. because, he protect because he protected Sunshine from mm. the um, demons that were trying to kill her. And I think that they were, I want to say Dionysus. I think it was Dionysus. It doesn't matter. Let's... But that, I mean, that's yeah, neither here nor there. there. However, that is... 
she was in previous books because mm-hmm. she's best friends with Tabitha, the demon hunter. And she meets up with, because she lives in the square, or in the court, is it the quarter? Because she lives in the quarter, she mm-hmm. and her business is there. She knows the other characters who've always already been mentioned and written about in the previous mm-hmm. books. And I think that that's why this one, for me, isn't one that you can read as a standalone and understand everything. Because mm-hmm. there's too much mentioned in here that has origins elsewhere. I think you can read it. I just think you're going to miss a lot. Like, you're going yeah. you're gonna to feel like I'm missing stuff. Um, but... That's anyway. If you want to read to imagine a hot guy having sex with a girl who's larger, then this is definitely a book you can read on its own. But you know what? It's not. Again, I don't want to. I don't want to overstate that, but it, it's it is a different thing. Like you do get to skip the oh he ran his hand down her flat stomach and you know yeah as a woman who you have her yeah you have her looking at herself in the mirror and feeling severely unconfident even mm-hmm. as he is caressing her and showing her that he really fancies her something rotten. Mm-hmm. And there's yeah. a very English way of saying it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's, um, so just sort of be aware. I mean, if be aware of that, and it, but it's not fetishized as, as Ray was saying earlier. So I, I appreciate that about the novel. Um, what about our hot spicy meter? What are we thinking? Well, if we were judging it on the first few chapters alone, I'd say it was higher up the spice spice meter. But in comparison with some of the other books, it's not as hot. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there's a reason for that. I mean, it's one of the shorter ones as well. Mm-hmm. It is one of the shorter novels in the series. Um, it's definitely hotter than um, Akiron. Because that one spends half of its like 900 pages discussing ancient Greece. Um, so I'd probably say seven, maybe eight. What about you? I was giving it a seven on our chili pepper scale. Um, I'd say seven. Um, well, we both said seven. Yeah, so. maybe we'll go with seven this time. Um and I think it's because there doesn't seem to be a, the same frequency as I see in some other novels. So, yeah. Well, he spends a lot of time in wolf form, yeah. to be fair. Yeah, that's true. And that's not... And anyway. that would be... Yeah, that no. Mm. That's not something that I want to read about, yeah, to no. be honest. Mm-mm. No, not not really. So, anyway. Um, yeah. So, we're giving it a seven on our hot spicy meter. And... Um, is there anything else we wanted to say? I mean, I liked it. I really. This yeah. is one of my favorite of the Dark Hunter books. Um, and, you know, Ray's got a few quibbles. I've got a few quibbles. But there are a lot of things to like about this book as yeah. well. So, as, I, as I said, it's not my all-time favorite. Yeah. but We've I mentioned like my all-time favorite several times. But yeah. it's one of those books that is a really good... Oh, I want to find... I now... If you picked it up first. Oh, I now want to find out what happened previously... There are four other books before it. Five, if you count mm-hmm. the um, book that isn't really part of the series, but could be considered part of the series. And then you've got so many books after it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I stopped Absolutely. reading it about twelve, I think. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I'd have to go back and look. So. <laughs> yep. 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 
Okay. So I think then we've said what we need to say. We have indeed. So we have now finished this one. What's the next one? It's your choice. Um, I decided to pick a book that neither of us have heard yet. And it's called The Other Miss Bridgerton by Julia Quinn. And it's a prequel to the Bridgerton series. Um, If you've read the uh, Bridgertons, which is a Regency series, I thought we would go back to, or we would go to the Regency era, which I don't think we visited. We haven't, and it's also relatively new as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is new. I think it came out in, um, well, it came out relatively recently. It's easy to find on Kindle, and it might be available to public library at this point. So, And I think it's actually in the UK, it's £3.89 at the moment. It's not terrible. No, it's not bad at all, especially when most of the books I'm buying are a lot more expensive than that, even on Kindle. Yeah. Okay, cool. So that's what we'll talk about in two weeks. And we are still kind of trying to decide what we're going to talk about next week. But don't worry, we will have it. And um, anyway, thank you all for tuning in. And Ray, how would you like to say goodbye? I keep searching for your happily ever after. And, and I you? Would- And I would remind you that romance isn't dead. It's alive and well on our bookshelves. Bye. Bye.